0: Welcome to this podcast episode of Narcissists in Divorce: The Narcissist Trap. I'm Dr. Supriya McKenna. I'm a former family doctor, but my life's true work is working with people who have fallen prey to narcissistic relationships of any kind, but I'm particularly busy in the area of divorce. Over the last few years, I've been very proud to become an Amazon best-selling author on the subject of narcissism, and my brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce: From Love-Locked to Leaving, is out right now on Amazon. That's the first book in the Narcissists in Divorce series. And the follow-on to that will be out in the spring. And that's called Narcissists in Divorce, From Leaving to Liberty. And please do note that although I use the word divorce, these books are equally applicable to anyone leaving a serious intimate relationship with a narcissist, whether they are married or not. I also have a book out called The Narcissist Trap the mind-bending pull of the great pretenders. And that book might be useful in helping the people around you who are supporting you to understand more about what happened to you and about narcissism generally. I'm also the co-author with British divorce lawyer Karen Walker of Narcissism and Family Law, a practitioner's guide. And between us, Karen and I have trained Thousands of family law professionals in narcissistic personality disorder, including judges, lawyers, mediators, and social workers. For further narcissism resources from me, please do visit thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com, and that web address has the doctor fully spelt out. Today, Karen and I are very pleased to be able to welcome a special guest onto the show because today we are joined by Dr. Daksha Hirani. Now, Daksha is a Chartered Clinical Psychologist. She's Associate Fellow of the British Psychological Society, and she's a member of the Healthcare Professional Council. Daksha's had over 20 years of experience in the field of clinical psychology, and crucially, one of her specialist areas is working with those who have suffered from narcissistic abuse, whether that be at the hands of a partner, a parent, sibling friend work colleague or boss or anyone else uh, daksha has a private practice in london and if you want to reach her her website is www.palmy.co.uk and that's parmi p-a-r-m-i so thank you so much for joining us daksha
1: thank you very much super uh, lovely and karen thank you thank you for inviting me
0: oh it's our pleasure So uh, I want to sort of talk to you about recognizing narcissism because Karen and I get interviewed on sort of radio shows and various bits and pieces in connection with the book. And the radio hosts always ask us the same question, which is, uh, how do you spot a narcissist? And so we go through the, well, they've got lack of empathy, sense of entitlement, they triangulate you, they gaslight you, blah, blah, blah. But actually, when we were talking earlier, you highlighted how important it is, rather than to be looking at the narcissistic behaviors of the narcissist, to actually kind of focus the, for the victim to focus in on how they're feeling themselves I, I'd really like you to talk about that because I just think that's so so important
1: mm. absolutely you know the, the, the reality is anyone who's gone through narcissistic abuse will have picked up that something really feels off you know they, they mm. get a sense in a gut that actually Ooh, that was off you know there's what do you call the red flags Mm. You are only able to pick that up if you look within, go within your feelings and your experience is what you've got to look into. If you suffer from anxiety, depression, panic Mm. attacks, flashbacks, whatever it is, or you've got anger, irritation issues, look Mm. at the reason why. What situations am I finding myself in that's bringing me to experience uh, this and which is affecting my mental health? Uh, you get autoimmune diseases coming up. You may find that you've you've got thyroid problems, you've got fibromyalgia, you've got back pain, and you think, well, I, I know it's stress related, but I'm not sure where the stress is coming from. Look within that and say, who around me in this in in my mm. network is not aiding my mental health? Who around me is not cheerleading me? Who's not serving me and who's not supporting me? in my agenda of how I want to lead my life and those are the people
0: that you recognized
1: are the people that are not serving you
0: and that's so important isn't it who's not cheerleading me who's not um, validating me who's not allowing me to you know helping me to live my life in the way that I want to live it that is what normal friends, normal family, you know, um, normal work colleagues even, that's what they will do. They will cheerlead you. And so you're quite right to, to say, well, those who are the people that aren't cheerleading me? And just look a little bit more closely at that. But also, you know, you mentioned that the feeling of not being seen or not being loved or not being heard. Those are really important things as well. If, if someone feels like they're not being, they feel almost invisible, like they're not quite real. Whatever they say doesn't really matter. that's so important as well I think yes absolutely you talked about the gut reaction and I always find this really really interesting because I mean there is a sort of connection between the old brain and the gut isn't there or that's my understanding Um, so you know whilst we sort of don't um, listen to our gut feelings quite often we just think we can kind of think our way out of problems actually that gut reaction is, is quite important it is. It's it's very important. The gut reaction, mm-hmm. the the gut feeling.
1: Many people who have suffered narcissistic abuse have no mm-hmm. sense of what their gut is actually telling them. Mm-hmm. They don't trust themselves. They don't know what's really happening. Certainly, when people come to me for narcissistic abuse recovery, it's about how can they actually mm-hmm. see, start feeling their gut. Always working on the individual moving away from the narcissist Mm -hmm. because it's really not about the narcissist it's about that
0: person exactly That's so important, isn't it? They spent their whole lives, or however long it's been that they've been with the narcissist, revolving around the narcissist, making it all about the narcissist's needs, and actually completely sort of ignoring themselves. And then, you know, you talked about them not trusting themselves to sort of listen to their own gut reactions. But if their own feelings have been invalidated, if they've been gaslit essentially by the narcissist, which they will have been, they start trusting the narcissist and what the narcissist is telling them about how they should be feeling, rather than actually listening. To themselves.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, part of understanding themselves is all about is being very curious and saying, where am I being triggered? So, for example, if you're feeling triggered, if you're feeling, oh, I'm now, I've, I've got some fear in me, I've got some depression in me, I've got palpitations coming up. When you find yourself feeling that, you want to pay attention to that. and. I always say that narcissists are great at throwing crap at you. And by crap, it's it's an acronym that's widely Mm -hmm. used where the C stands for fear of criticism. So if somebody's going to, if the narcissist is going to criticize you and you Mm -hmm. get triggered, then that is a wound that you need to listen to and tend to, to make sure that actually you can learn to take whatever criticism the world has to offer and be strong within yourself because you know that you're behavior is valid your thoughts are valid and then the R with the fear of rejection so what they do is the narcissist will then play on that rejection Mm -hmm. thing you know Mm -hmm. sort of say that oh look this is what your life is going to be if I reject you or if I a abandon you you know so then that is another way that the narcissist will actually keep you hooked and then there's also the fear of punishment which is the P and they will punish you so that your behavior then changes because you fear punishment now, as you start to overcome crap, the narcissist find, it finds that they have less and less to literally hook onto because you're armoring yourself and there's mm. a full armor. There are no chinks in the armor. There's nowhere where a narcissist Mm -hmm. can find a wound and rob soul to say, ah, there you Mm -hmm. are, you know, and so for you to get triggered.
0: And that's so interesting, isn't it? Because the fear of criticism, the fear of rejection, the fear of abandonment, I don't know about the fear of punishment, but certainly those first three, they are actually what the narcissist has themselves as well. So it's really odd that both parties have this because that kind of lies at the heart of what they have as well, these fears of criticism, rejection and, and abandonment, but they use them as weapons almost absolutely
1: and they do have a fear of punishment as well deep down they're always fearing that they're going to be caught out and that they're going to be punished for it and so they always have to adapt they always have to be a chameleon who changes their behavior and and manipulates and it's i can only imagine that it must be exhausting being a narcissist
0: oh god quite but but they seem to do it naturally don't they as a person who isn't wired like that you'd you'd it would be impossible to do. People always think they must be plotting and scheming, you know, late into the night to, to think of the things that they think of in order to manipulate and control the victim. But I don't think they are. I think it just comes really, really naturally to them because of their wiring. But you mentioned just now about them being chameleons. And that's really interesting because, you know, we, we generally talk about those four types of narcissists, the, the four broad categories, the exhibitionist narcissist or the grandiose narcissist, or the, as they're also known, the devaluing narcissist, also known as the malignant narcissist or the toxic narcissist, the closet narcissist, also known as the... Um, covert narcissist or the vulnerable narcissist or the victim narcissist and then the fourth type the altruistic narcissist also known as the communal narcissist but how common is it because I think it's incredibly common that rather than just falling into one of these four categories I think that the chameleon nature of of most narcissists means that they can actually flit through the four different types at different times in their lives or with different people or kind of when it suits them to be one of the four different types I mean what, what do you think about that?
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly. I have yet to meet a narcissist that just falls into one category. In fact, fitting in one category doesn't make them adaptable and uh, give them the success that they need in terms of the narcissistic supply. But if you're able to flit between mm. the different ones and the different behaviors, then and operate solely um, you know within those parameters, they get what they want whenever they want. Yes. Yes. So they are they, they chop and change when it suits them and the the underlying reason of why they change is always
0: narcissistic supply exactly and and i mean i say this all the time that if you were to go back and take this strip this right down to basics everything is about getting narcissistic supply that's their oxygen essentially that's the thing they need to keep going and so every single thing that they do say or you know every single behavior that they exhibit is at some it might not be immediately obvious how they're getting narcissistic supply from it but it may sort of be several steps to getting the narcissistic supply but ultimately it's always about securing narcissistic supply in some way absolutely And they can play a really long game with that, can't they? I mean, hence the sort of thing about them being, you know, many of them being very successful is that they can, you know, they can work really, really hard to get the power and the wealth and the status, for example, and that certain ones do. Um, You know, they can work for 10 years, 15 years, really hard, day and night to get to that place so that they've got that narcissistic supply from the admiration of others sort of coming in constantly. You know, they'll play the long game.
1: They play the long game and they're also in the process leave a whole long havoc of other people's lives along the way.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, real trail of destruction. That's it's hard cool. to explain to people that somebody is a narcissist. I always describe them as, as being like a sun in a solar system the narcissist is the sun and they've got all these planets orbiting them in different orbits so the closest orbit is going to be the the partner for example or the partners and then you've got the parent or the child and the next orbit out and and as you go out the friend possibly the work colleague and you go further and further out and then it's just the casual acquaintances you know the postman or the you know the girl in the shop or whatever the further you are away from the narcissist in terms of your orbit the less Frequently, you see their behaviours the let you know you're subjected to a sort of watered down version of their behaviours the further out you get mostly and and so it takes longer for those people further out, I think, to ever sort of really get to understand what what they've what's been happening to them with this narcissist. I think that's part of the reason why we kind of allow this to happen in society why they get away with it.
1: They they do, but and even if you're very close, because for example, like we were talking about the trauma bonding, you still allow themselves to get, you know, them to get away with it. There's always a reason why the narcissist is is in Mm. control, Mm. and they're always going to use your fears against you to be in control. Yes,
0: yes, those four fears.
1: That's right, and and then the people who are, you know, if you if you if you are in sort of closer to that sun, so to speak, when you speak to people who are sort of further out. They have no mm-hmm. clue what you're talking about or what you've gone through. And if somebody has not mm-hmm. gone through narcissistic abuse themselves, yeah. it's so difficult to comprehend. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that people like this or situations like this even exist.
0: Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. I'm just sort of thinking about domestic abuse here. Narcissism is very rarely mentioned in the. The area of domestic abuse, and I, I wonder why that is. I wonder. I mean, I have no idea what percentage, say, of domestic abuse victims are actually suffering from narcissistic abuse. I mean, what, what do you think on that?
1: Well, I would say that if somebody is experiencing uh, financial abuse, uh, psychological abuse, or uh, social abuse, they don't feel safe, then it will be a hundred percent of the cases will, where there will be elements of narcissistic traits in the abuser. And the victim is going to be subjected to them. I, I think it's it just goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. When I have been to domestic violence sort of programs that are set up for victims of domestic uh, abuse, like the Freedom Program, mm-hmm. everything they go through is just screaming narcissistic abuse. This is what you're experiencing. This is what it is. Domestic violence goes hand in hand with the narcissistic abuse in the way that they work. It's almost
0: like, all narcissists are working out of the same rule book. Yes, absolutely right. So I always think then that, you know, with domestic abuse, that it's really important to be able to identify if your domestic abuse has been as a result of narcissism. Because if it has, I think it gives you quite a bit of power in the situation to, to under, well, A, to heal and to not be a victim for the rest of your life, but B, to, to know how to manage the narcissist, to understand that this is all about narcissistic supply. And I I'm sort of feel like I'm kind of banging my head against a brick wall in many ways when I'm trying to sort of get domestic abuse campaigners, etc. to understand this. What advice have you got for me? How am I going to get them to understand this?
1: I think just keep going. And at one point you'll break the wall because, um, you know, I'm in the same boat. I am passionate about educating people about narcissistic abuse. And and more importantly, that you're not stuck in it. It is Mm -hmm. very possible to get out and break free from it. But not everybody is interested. You know, not everybody gets it. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what, Supriya, the people who are suffering they will find a way of finding you so for example you know i'll see clients in my clinic and i thought hang on a minute i've got all these clients coming in who are in the initial stages of divorce you know they're going through quite a lot of challenges i'm thinking what can i do? the resources out there are very few and it was me googling and thinking you know what what can i offer clients and i came up on your mm-hmm. and karen's book i thought great fantastic so I, I got it myself read it i thought this is fantastic and now I can't remember the number of clients I've told, hey, look, why don't you get Karen and Supriya's book? And so thank you for that very much, for putting it out into the
0: world. <laughs> I'm smiling away silently <laughs> as you speak.
1: Good, as you should, as you should, Supriya. And, and so now they're equipped. So it's about educating, educating, educating. My mom always used to say that an ocean always fills
0: drop by drop. Mm. And we continue with our work drop by drop until it sort of all fills up. It's so true. We've just got to keep going um trying to raise awareness and and empowering people as you say, you know it's possible to break free and many people you know, they choose to wear this kind of cloak of victimhood um you know for the rest of their lives after narcissistic abuse and I find that so sad, but of course it's their choice. but there is the other side of of that coin the coin of narcissistic abuse. It is possible to actually grow and evolve and actually kind of heal um, and move forwards in your life in a completely different way I mean you know that concept of post-traumatic growth resulting from trauma rather than post-traumatic stress disorder you know that concept of growth
1: I, I absolutely I wholeheartedly agree with that Supriya. I firmly believe that a narcissist has the, the potential to be your greatest teacher in life absolutely right and they they tell you what are your wounds, what are the parts of you that need healing, so that you are not vulnerable, mm. Mm. and therefore you become stronger. Mm. So they are your greatest teachers. They are they they, and you can therefore grow from this. Now, people who choose to be in their victimhood, I would say, I have the greatest empathy for them because I think you know, firstly, they they simply don't feel able to. Mm-hmm. Are equipped with the tools that they need to really come out of it. Something in their social network, something within their psyche, is lacking at that moment. Not that it's going to lack forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that either keeps them in that trauma bond or that keeps them in that uh, victimhood, even if the narcissist has is no longer in their lives. Mm-hmm. And at one point, the suffering gets it, it. It becomes severe enough for them to say enough. Mm-hmm. And hopefully at that point, they say, right, you know what? I'm through with this. I'm done with this. And therefore, then they start to walk into the light in a sense.
0: There's a number of people that I'm I'm thinking of now. um, And I worry that they won't ever reach that place where they, they step into yeah. the light or they choose to step into the light and I can think of examples of people who haven't and I can think of old ladies who've gone to their deathbeds still believing that uh, the narcissist in their lives was the greatest thing that ever yeah. happened to them and defining themselves almost by by their victimhood never actually getting over it
1: I know it's very sad when you see it and it happens again and again and again but you're mm-hmm. right there are people who go to their deathbeds and they think you know if only or You know, this was just the greatest thing. And all we can do is just to have compassion and empathy for them. All of us are walking our own path in this world. And nobody can do my work for me. I have to do it myself. And everybody has to put in their own effort. And they're going to have to walk the walk themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Karen mentioned earlier a phrase um, that we often find ourselves using, which I think is just so apt. And I don't know where it came from, but, um, but we've um, appropriated it. You find the person whose teeth fit your wounds that to me yes. is kind of it epitomizes what the narcissist is to you it's the per- it's the narcissist is the person whose teeth fit your wounds in other words they as you said you know they help you to identify those wounds and you have to heal them over actually to become narcissist proof um uh and you know in the future but they have helped you to identify it they they are your greatest teacher i think that's absolutely the right um the right way of putting it yes
1: no i i like looking at it that way because then it's empowering there's nothing disempowering yes. about that then you know
0: My brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out now. For more information and online courses about narcissism, please do check out my websites, thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com.